0: And, so, and, they're in, they're in. and at first, I couldn't put it so, the dog, I'm in. She believe, so, she I so told me what to it on? going going do and it's like so on the one which is the only computer she uses, which she's doing to, it's all. But if it's all there, it should be one thing that I do, because that everything Is the series so
1: fun doing that. Good morning, everyone. And welcome. It's good to have you together with us today, and it's good to be able to worship together. And uh, we are so grateful to have you in person with us, or watching online, or listening through our radio, and so we pray that you are blessed today in our service together. Let's go before the Lord, and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together. Father, we thank you for this family of faith that we belong to. Father, would we know your presence in this place, would you draw us closer to you? Would we be blessed even as we seek to bless you through our time of worship? And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good
2: morning. Good morning. Good morning. So worship this morning is a response greeting of Psalm 34, verses 1-5, to verse 8. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glorify the Lord, but the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I saw the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my tears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. They can see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one. First thing this morning is number nine. Glorify thy name. Uh, Please stand and sing along.
0: God.
1: IG story, which is a short form for Instagram stories, but it's also about in God's story and how our story intersects with God's story. And so as you saw, there were kids that were participating, they sent in videos, they showed pictures of what they did to earn certain points. Uh, we had the delight of having my niece, Avery Walters, as one of the MCs, the girl with the great toque, and who was sliding down the hill and something fell on her phone and things. And... Uh, Many of these people I've had the pleasure of working with in the past with uh, Blizzard, and so it's been great to see them. My role was to stay at home and to make sure that everything that the viewer was seeing uh, was okay or if there was an issue to try to mention it so they could get it changed for the next time around, but things went really smoothly, and so I appreciate all the prayers that we've had for Avalanche, and we're going to do it all again in two weeks for Blizzard for our high school students, and we're looking forward to another great weekend.
0: Do you know how
1: many were locked online? Uh, so it varied, um, but we had at one point uh, we had about 30 different connections, and so that's quite a bit. Now that would be made up of some individuals who are staying home and connecting with their youth groups that way. Um, and it would also be some places where there were small groups at churches as well. Um, we ended up using Compass Point Church out of um, Grimsby. Uh, last minute as a place to be able to do the recording from and so a lot of our people where you saw them together that was at Campus Point Church that stage as well that they had set up so it was great. Uh, the band life support they had them it was they were supposed to be um, having a, a live interview but they had the big storm out east and that's where a lot of the members of our band and so they didn't have power for most of them only Alex and one other guy Andrew from Toronto were able to um, be part of that, but they had some pre-recorded sessions. The guy with the library behind him—if you recognized his voice, he's Herbie Kuhn. Um, he is the voice of your Toronto Raptors, and so—and um, his story about how he had plans to go to certain universities, but God didn't allow him to get in there. He ended up instead at some college, got into announcing on the side, and now that's his, his life, and he loves it, and so. Uh, it was great to have these other stories that were intersected there. Our main speaker was Tim Teagle. He's the team captain-captain that I've worked with for a number of years at Blizzard. Uh, and he is uh, the head of Youth Alpha Canada right now as far as their promotions go. Um, so he did a great job too. But thank you for the time to be involved with that. It was a, a fantastic couple of days. Their last section for today, they just created an on-demand video so youth leaders can use that whenever they have the opportunity to. And all of these materials, as well, for youth groups that couldn't make it, they have them available for them to use them later, which is a fantastic resource. Anyways, I've talked long enough about my fun. Uh, let's get back to our other announcements. This week, uh, we have a couple of birthdays coming up. Uh, Betty Zandam on the 17th, happy birthday this week, and uh, my son Will Walters on the 19th as well. We've been having our Bible study, and uh, on It's the Living Out Faith series and developing godly attributes is what we've been talking about. And we've left off partway on our Thursday morning group as we've been looking at David, our final section, our final piece. Um, But right now the government is actually calling us, outside of actual worship services, not to have groups larger than five people together. So I think we should postpone this at least for an extra week until we see what the government has to say for us. Uh, Our Sunday morning group, we haven't got over five yet, so we're we're safe there. um, So we can still continue to do that. And let us remember that God has called us to give. And to be cheerful givers and to give not under compulsion, um, but to do so out of a willing heart. And so we certainly value the gifts, the tithes, and the offerings that are given uh, to the ongoing work of the kingdom. This is our mission that God has called us to. And so we are called to support that mission through the giving of our tithes and offerings. And you can do that online through our website. Uh, The information is there. Or you can give uh, by giving at the plate in the back of the church if you're here in person. Let us take a moment now and thank God for all of these gifts that we given. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have given us the opportunity to be part of your mission to care for others to reach out beyond ourselves to partner with you in the transformation of the world that we live in father part of that is done through the giving of our tithes and offerings so father may we be motivated may we capture the glory of what you seek to do in this world May we recognize that we have the honor of being part of that through the giving of our tithes and offerings. And so help us to give cheerfully and faithfully. And Father, would you bless all of these gifts in Jesus' name, amen. We're now going to sing together the hymn Spirit of the Living God. It's found in number 389 in your hymnals. Of course, the words will be on the screen as well. Please stand as we sing together. <laughs> Music Um, does anybody have anything they would like to share this morning either praise items or prayer request
0: Kendall continues to do well
1: Kendall continues to do well wonderful excellent uh, she's feeling well and coming along? Well. yes
2: Stan, there we go Prayed for just before Christmas he uh, I got news yesterday yesterday he our Friday he has said he had 30 lesions on his brain on
0: his Weeks sort of like, uh, so Stan' uh, speeches. Um,
1: Stan. So Stan has gone from thirty to fifty lesions on his brain, and we've been praying for him. So uh, sorry to hear that, and thank you for the update. And we will continue to pray. Continue to pray. I was talking to Alison. Roger is coming. It's slow,
0: but he's coming. Start, starting to So.
1: Good, yeah, so Roger Hacienda that we've been praying for uh, is is coming along, it's slow, but he's starting to eat, which is a very big sign indeed. Thank you, Joyce. Yes, I talked to Lloyd Anderson this week, I didn't get out to see him yet, but he's coming along, he's super grateful that uh, his surgery is done, that he's starting to feel better, and um, so we'll continue to pray for his healing. And of course he doesn't have to deal with all of the other uh, hassle that he's had with having... The tube and all that stuff. So that's that's certainly a relief. He he kind of laughed at himself. He said, "Pulling that out was the best thing I could have done." (laughs) (laughs) Good old boy. He's always got a sense of humor, doesn't he? Anything else you would like to share, or that you have prayer requests about today?
0: Larry and Elsie
1: are feeling. (laughs) Sorry to hear that. Both Larry and Elsie are not feeling well today. We'll pray for them as well. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come before you today again. And we are grateful for the many ways that you work in our midst. Father, we thank you that Kendall is doing continues to improve. And Father, we thank you that Lloyd Anderson is also continuing to improve. Father, we lift up Stan and uh, those who care for him and, and pray, Father, Continue to pray for his healing even in the midst of this difficult news that he has had more lesions on the brain father would you meet him in the space that he is in would you reveal yourself to him and may he put his trust in you that you would be his lord his savior and the one who holds his hand and walks with him through the darkest valley Father, we thank you that Roger Sandem is beginning to improve and is able to eat, and we continue to pray for his healing. Today we lift up Larry Goldner and Elsie Kraft, Father. We ask that he would be with them, provide the healing and the help that they need to be feeling better. Father, we thank you for the sunshine. We thank you for this place to worship. We thank you for the work that you have done in that avalanche and the seed that you have sown in faith and pray that you would draw young people closer to you through the work that they did there. Would you provide rest and care for all those who gave so much of themselves over the last couple of days. Father, we continue to lift up others in our circle of family and friends. We ask, Father, that you would meet their needs. And we pray for them by name. Christine Fruin, Earl Bonker, Albert Hardin, Kevin Cup, Angela Mutrie. Kim McKibben, Dave Callahan, Steve Cup, June Chambers, Marlene Clemens, Jack and Audrey Woolen, Laura Hopkins, and Louise Grew, Father, many of them are facing serious. And difficult challenges cancer illness pain suffering and we pray for their healing father we know that you can do all things we also pray father for their comfort that you would be with them and that they would put their trust in you Father, for the prayers that were not spoken today, the ones that we hold within our hearts, that perhaps we feel were too insignificant, or perhaps we felt were too personal, we lay them at your feet today. Father, forgive us our sins. The times when we have messed up, Father, restore us. We pray, Father, for our sister churches, for Tyrell Baptist Church and their pastor Marty Brown with his ordination service tonight. We pray your blessing over that service. And Father, we continue to pray for Green Hills Christian Fellowship, York, and Father, for everywhere that your name is proclaimed. We pray that you would pour out your blessing. And we ask, all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I
2: told you this Scripture this morning is Matthew verse 4, verses 1 to 11. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, be tempted by the devil. After fasting forty days and forty nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, Worship the Lord your God, and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him.
1: Thank you, Scott. We had a little talkle before the service started because It seems to be that my PowerPoint and my order of service just never seem to quite mesh together anymore. So I'm having my challenges, so maybe you should add me to your prayer list that uh, (laughs) God will heal whatever's going on with my brain. But uh, anyways, we're going to carry on with our series today. The Faithful Follower Series, the six marks of a believer. And today I want to talk about fighting Satan. Now... Before we get too much into that, I also want to talk about roller coasters. Who likes roller coasters? Does anybody like roller coasters in here? My wife, Scott, Brenda, her like, hand. When I was younger, when I was a teenager, I enjoyed roller coasters. As a matter of fact, because I lived in Scarborough, a couple of summers, I got a season's pass for Canada's Wonderland, and we went up several times because we could take the TTC and then grab a go bus. And then you go all the way out into the middle of nowhere, where Canada's Wonderland was, right? Now it's all just houses all the way out, right? It's totally developed. But anyways, we'd go out there, and we would ride roller coasters and have lots of fun. We would take in some concerts at Kingswood Music Theatre. Great times there. But something happened uh, with roller coasters over the years. Is I went from one phase to the other. Um, so like the kid on the right he seems to be having the time of his life his friend or brother or whoever next to him does not seem to be having such a good time I discovered something else that as I've aged and I now have uh, issues with high blood pressure much to my massive disappointment when Beth and I went to Kingdom Bound a couple of years ago and we went on a roller coaster I came off of it and I felt just gross I felt awful And i think it was my blood pressure was just out of whack and so beth who loves roller coasters didn't go on any other roller coasters the poor girl life is like the roller coaster isn't it sometimes you know it's it's we're going down and we're just going smooth along that really smooth path sometimes there's the bumps that come up and maybe pop you out of your seat for a moment. That was one of my favorites. The mighty Canadian Mindbuster. buster. And you come down this really big hill. And then you hit the first bump. And you're actually airborne until you hit the second bump. You, you have this bar that holds you in. And you hang on to that for dear life. Because you know otherwise you're just going shooting right out of that. But it's kind of fun in that point. Right? That point it's okay for me. The part where you're going uphill... Click, 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 It's fine if you know you're coming down the other side and you're going to have a nice, fun run. What is not so much fun is on the back. Because on the back, you go click, 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 click. And then you go backwards. Ah! Screaming. Because you have no idea what's coming. Life is like a roller coaster sometimes. Sometimes it's fun, and sometimes it's terrifying, and sometimes you just need to step off for a moment to get sick. Um, Life is like a roller coaster. Sometimes it leaves us pretty turned around, doesn't it? As Christians, I have this question. And it's a legitimate question. It may seem like a silly question, but it's a real question. Why isn't following Jesus easy? Why not? Right? If God wants us to do this, if it's a good thing, why isn't it easy? That's what I signed up for as a 12-year-old. You know, When I gave my life to Jesus Christ, I, I knew that I couldn't do it right on my own. I was messing things up. So I figured that if I gave my life to Jesus, he would smooth it all out. It would just be like that one long, straight, smooth, whoosh. Should be good. That's been your experience, hasn't it? You know, it's all been rainbows and butterflies and and happy, easy stuff. That's the life of a Christian, isn't it? Or is it more like the roller coaster? Sometimes we're up, sometimes we're down. Sometimes we don't know what's coming next. Sometimes it can be pretty crazy, right? Last week we talked about John the Baptist, who was out in the wilderness. We talked about your calling, and your calling being that to go out and be like John, to live lives that are pure and righteous and holy, to go out and call people to the life in Jesus Christ that he offers. Well, in today's passage, we are reminded that Jesus then went out into the wilderness. He also went out into the wilderness. And he went there to retreat from everybody else and fasted to prepare spiritually before this incredible three-year ministry that he would have. Jesus went out there to be prepared. It was a good thing that he was doing. He didn't go into the wilderness because it was a bad thing. He wasn't trying to escape, he was trying to do something positive. He went there to pray, to spend time focused on God. He went there to fast, which is removing all of those human preoccupations we have with food and drink. Sometimes I have to confess I'm a little too preoccupied with food. <laughs> and it was a good thing that Jesus did. Jesus was doing a good thing. It was a good thing when he was taken out into the wilderness to prepare. It was a super spiritual thing that he was doing. He went out for 40 days? Don't you think four days would have been enough? Like, if, you know, honestly, if four hours without food and water is kind of a struggle for me sometimes. Um, 40 days. Now, some people say, is it, was it really 40 days? some theologians some scholars they say and that's just a representative number it doesn't really mean 40 days it's just a long time maybe okay we'll go back and look at Exodus Moses when he was up on the mountain to get the Ten Commandments in Exodus 34 28 it tells us that Moses was there with the Lord how long 40 days and 40 nights without drinking bread if you'd be eating bread or drinking water, of course better that way. Uh, don't try and drink bread, please. Forty days. Maybe it's a representative number for Moses, too. A long, long time. And he was on Mount Sinai. And God gave him the Ten Commandments. He was in the wilderness. Interesting. Forty days Jesus went to spend in the wilderness with God, preparing himself. 40 days, Moses was on the mountain with God, preparing himself to lead the people of Israel. Was it really 40 days? Well, regardless, it was many, many days. It was a long, long time. Jesus was in the wilderness. And then something happened, didn't it? Satan showed up to tempt him, to test him, so, here's a question. Did Jesus know this was going to happen? I mean, he's Jesus, right? Doesn't he know everything? Does he know that Satan's gonna show up? Does he even know how the conversation's gonna go? Well, here, Satan's gonna say this, and I'm gonna say this, and... I mean, he's Jesus, right? Some actually ask, was it even a test? If he's the son of God, doesn't he just go, oh, give me your best shot, Satan, who cares? not really a test for me. Some people might think that. Some people ask, was it even possible for Jesus to be tempted? Could Jesus be tempted at all? I mean, if he's perfect, if he's sinless, is it ever a temptation to sin if he's God? Hmm. Well, here's what the author of Hebrews says in chapter 4, verse 15, that Jesus has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Jesus was really tempted. You see, Jesus limited himself while he was in human form to make himself the perfect substitute. If Jesus allowed himself to be fully divine and have all that access to power as a human being, would he really know what it was like to be a human being? So, Jesus, even though he was fully divine, And fully human, he limited himself in that time on this earth to his fully human side. So that he could be the perfect substitute for you and for me. He could live that perfect sinless life and go to the cross on our behalf. How do we know that Jesus was actually limiting himself to the human side of himself? Well, the scriptures point to it as... We found in Matthew 3, 16, when Jesus was baptized, and we talked about this last week, the Spirit of God descended like a dove onto him. If he was using all of his divine right and power, why would he need that? Well, he wouldn't. And so he limited himself to the human part, but the Spirit of God came upon him in power, just like the prophets of old in the Old Testament. And then look at this. Jesus didn't just divinely know to go out to the wilderness. The Spirit led him into the wilderness. And later when Jesus was debating with some people, he said, if it is by the Spirit of God that I drive out demons, in other words, he was implying that it's the Spirit of God working in me. Spirit of God working in me. Hebrews 2.14 reminds us that Jesus did something incredible. He was the Word of God. He was a pre-existent Word of God, not created, but of God. And yet, He came down and He shared in our humanity. Since the children of God, since us people, have flesh and blood, He too shared in their humanity, so that by His death He might break the power of Him who holds the power of death that is the devil see Jesus became human because that's what it took to break Satan's power the author of Hebrews goes on to say for this reason he had to be made like them fully human in every way Jesus was limited to his human side while he served on this earth In order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God. And that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. His blood was shed for us. It's important for us to recognize that Jesus did not have any supernatural ability. Nothing beyond what we have to our access as human beings while he was on earth. He limited himself. How do we know that? The author of Hebrews says, he himself suffered when he was tempted. And so therefore, he is able to help those who are being tempted or tested. He knows what it's like. It's interesting that when Satan tempts, what he is doing is he's actually, in a way, working as God's agent because God is allowing us to be tested. Satan cannot do anything other than what God allows him to do. It's not an equal balance thing. God is in control. He allows Satan to do things. And Satan tempts us. But we are tested. And so Jesus out in the wilderness, he faced these temptations. First the temptation of provision. Then the temptation of preference. Preference. And then the temptation of preeminence. And boy, did I struggle to get an alliteration on these ones this week.
2: (laughs) Provision,
1: preference, and preeminence. Let me unpack that for you. First of all, the temptation of provision. Jesus had gone without food for a long, long time. Possibly 40 days. You better believe he was hungry. And Satan says, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus could have. If he was accessing his divine power in that moment as a human being, he could have said, sure. yeah." As a matter of fact, pizza, not just bread. Mm-hmm. I want pizza with pepperoni and anchovies and pineapple because it belongs on pizza in my world, anyways. Um, Jesus could have done that. And there's nothing wrong with Jesus providing bread, miraculously, is there? He calls on the Spirit to provide Feeding of the 4,000, the feeding of the 5,000. But in that moment, that's not what God wanted. Preference, our second one. He will command His angels concerning you. That was the temptation. Throw yourself off the temple. And everybody will see that God thinks you are so special that He's going to protect you from being hurt. He'll send angels to support you. Because it says you won't even hit your toe against a stone. Temptation number two. Temptation number three. All of the kingdoms in the world. He takes him up onto a mountain. And he shows him this vision of all of the kingdoms of the world. And he says, "All of this I will give you: preeminence, power, being king of everything." Third temptation. It's interesting if we stop and reflect that these temptations of Satan are nothing new. If we go back to the Garden of Eden, we see that when he appeared as a serpent in the Garden of Eden, he said these words to Eve about that fruit that God had told him not to eat. And she said, God told us not to eat of that, or that we're going to die. And he said, you will not certainly die. God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The three temptations, provision. It's good for food, that's what she noticed. She said, oh, this is good for food. And she noticed, preference, it's pleasing to the eye. I want it. I'm important. I deserve this. Second temptation. Third temptation, preeminence. It's desirable for gaining wisdom. This will make me like God, preeminence, I will be powerful. I won't need God. Make my own choices and decisions. Satan's temptations are always in the same way. He sows seeds of doubt and discontent and disappointment. Did God really say this? Satan, if we look at it, he even uses scripture and twists it when he's tempting and when he's tempting Jesus. Discontent. Tell these stones to become bread. Aren't you hungry? Aren't you unhappy with your situation? Disappointment. You've got this. Right? He doesn't have a disciples yet. You've got your little life. I can give you everything. Look at what he got now. Isn't that kind of sad? It's one of Satan's temptations to us. In the wilderness, Jesus faced these temptations. What does that mean for us? Well, let's look at the responses of Jesus to those temptations. For provision, first of all, Jesus responded with these words. Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Every temptation that Jesus faced, he responded to with the word of God, with scripture. But where does this come from? Well, we know it's in verse 4, but it actually comes from a time when the Israelites were in the wilderness. And they had been complaining. Let's take a look at this together in Deuteronomy 8, verses 2 to 3 Do you remember what happened when they went out there? They plundered the Egyptians at Passover. But eventually their food ran out. And they began to complain to God and said, We need food! And God provided them with manna. And so then, in Deuteronomy, as they're about to enter the Promised Land, Moses points back and reminds them of what happened back then. Let's take a look at this together, Deuteronomy 8, verses 2 to 3. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years. A very long time. To humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart. Whether or not you would keep his commands. The testing of God over those 40 years. He humbled you, causing you to hunger. And then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you, and here's the words, that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Do we rely on what we can produce ourselves, or do we instead rely on God's provision for us? That was a temptation. Provision. Providing it for ourselves, or relying on God who is really in control, and really provides for us anyways. Number two, preference. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. That was Jesus' response to Satan about the second temptation. This temptation to make yourself popular and amazing, you throw yourself down off the corner of the temple, everybody's going to see it, and say, wow, look. He's going to crash, and then amazingly, God shows his preference to his son. Ooh, ah, how exciting. Jesus says, do not put the Lord your God to the test, which comes out of Deuteronomy 6.16. Do not put the Lord your God to the test as you did at Massa. And you're thinking, what's that all about? Well, they were not only hungry, they were thirsty. And they complained to Moses and said, did you bring us out here to die of thirst? And God provided water for them to drink. Miraculously, told Moses, strike the rock and water will gush from it. And that's exactly what happened. But they put the Lord, their God, to the test. Are we not your favorite people? Are we not your chosen ones? Hmm. Of course they were. But they wanted proof. Do we want proof? Is that our temptation? Preeminence. The third temptation. To be the most powerful. To be number one. I will give you all the kingdoms of the world. That was the temptation that Satan gave. And it's interesting if we stop to think about and wonder about. Did he even have the right or ability to do that? Did Satan own the kingdoms? Could he actually have given them to Jesus? Or was he just... Being a liar, like he often is. But Jesus' response was not to try and call him a liar or anything like that. His response was, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Again, quoting scripture. Again, found in Deuteronomy 6 with the Israelites. Let's turn there, Deuteronomy 6, verses 13 to 15 here's what it says, fear the Lord your God, serve him only, and take oaths in his name. Do not follow other gods, the gods of the peoples around you, for the Lord your God who is among you is a jealous God, and his anger will burn against you and he will destroy you from the face of the land. We don't get to the preeminence. We don't get to be the most powerful person. We worship the one who is. We worship the one who is preeminent. We worship God. See, as faithful followers, the Spirit may also lead us into the wilderness. And we often look at the wilderness as this place of nothingness. A place that we don't want to go. A place that we could never imagine going. Imagine if we instead looked at the wilderness as a place of preparation. A place where we have been led by God to prepare us for the next thing. I'm going to give you a warning, though. When we go into the wilderness, we may face temptation. We may face testing. And Satan is a pretty sneaky dude. See, Satan's temptations can make us impatient. The things that he tempted Jesus with, Jesus was provided with afterwards. After the devil tempted Jesus, and Jesus (coughs) sent him on his way, angels came and attended him. He ate again. He didn't need to turn the stones into bread because God was going to provide for him. He didn't need to do anything spectacular to prove that he was God's favorite because God would show himself through Jesus in his ministry as the son of God, as the favorite. He didn't need to grasp at preeminence to ask for all the kingdoms of this world because he will return as the king and show that he already has all of the power. Satan's temptations to Eve made her impatient. Made her think that she didn't have these blessings. She had everything that God could ever imagine to give her. Satan's temptations often appear like shortcuts too. Instead of going about it the way that God wants us to, oh, let's try this instead. We'll get there faster. As we're in the wilderness... Satan's temptations fall short of what God plans for us. Satan tempted Jesus to turn stones into bread. God provides a feast for us in heaven. God has his banquet for us. We can grasp at the kingdoms of this world, God has given us so much more. But he tempts us with provision and preference and preeminence. And yet we've already been given that. God has blessed us with everything we need and will continue to do so. He has promised us that. He has shown his love for us by giving his one and only son to pay for our sin, yours, mine. Preeminence, we are children of the king. Can it get any better? So what are you, why is this even matter? What does this even mean for us? Well, if Jesus limited himself to his human abilities with the power of the Holy Spirit, then he was the perfect human, which means that we can do what he did, too. And you're thinking, I cannot walk on water. Cannot walk on water. I've tried it. Okay, when it was frozen, I was cheating. (laughs) But other than that, I cannot walk on water. Did Jesus ever actually ask you to walk on water? Fair question, right? As faithful followers, we can be like Jesus. We can live lives of holiness and purity. It's not impossible. But it is impossible without the Spirit. But here's the good news. We have access to the same Holy Spirit that empowered Jesus Christ. can empower us does empower us as believers. Jesus demonstrated our full potential. What is the full potential of humanity? It is to be like Jesus Christ in his three years of ministry on this earth. When we are filled by, when we are fully surrendered to, and when we are following the will of the Holy Spirit, that's how we can be like Jesus. See, Jesus lived this out. And so can we. Okay, so how do we fight Satan? I hope you've been paying attention. Um, if we go to Ephesians 6, it talks about the armor of God, but I want to really focus in on this. Ephesians 6, 17, where Paul writes, Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. How did Jesus fight Satan? Every temptation, he went and gave him the word of God in response. Jesus used Scripture to fight Satan. I love my charismatic brothers and sisters in Christ. Those people that that are a little bit more excitable than sometimes I am as a conservative traditional Baptist. But sometimes they say things and act in certain ways towards Satan. Some of them that is not biblical. There's not what Jesus did. We need to do what Jesus did. How can we do that? And the psalmist writes this. I have hidden your word in my heart. I have hidden your word in my heart. That I might not sin against you. We need to know the scriptures. We need to know the Bible. We need to be reading them. And studying them. And memorizing them. So that when the moment of temptation comes our way. Because it will. And it does we can respond with Scripture. That is the sword of the Spirit. That is our weapon to fight against Satan. And we need to get the Word of God deeply implanted in us. That's why we have to do it every day. I'm sure none of you have memory problems like I do. So I'm sure it's not a problem for you. But part of the reason I need to keep rereading the Word of God is I forget it. We need it deeply implanted in us to know God's truth. And to fight Satan's lies. There's a world that would argue against this. But the Bible tells us that there is an unseen battle that rages on all around us. All the time. Angels, demons, fighting. It's easy for us, because we don't see it, to deny it. Or to forget about it. But we are We are at war for souls. And the souls that are on the line are ours, those of our friends, and our loved ones. That's what the battle is for. I think it would be helpful for us to admit that there is a battle that's going on around us. So that we can be aware of it. And that we can be actively fighting in that battle. The great news is that Jesus has already won the war. He will return to set things straight for us again. But the battles continue on. As Christians, we know Jesus offers one way and one way only. If you think there's something outside of the word of God, then you're mistaken. It's belief in him and what he did for us on the cross. It's belief in Jesus Christ, that he died for us. That's confessing him as our Lord and Savior. What you did for me, I accept. I believe in you. I trust in you. I repent of my ways. Jesus chooses one way, but Satan will use every possible angle he can. The scriptures tell us that he even masquerades as an angel of light. He'll try and fool us. Revelation 12, 2. Satan came back to earth. And he's filled with fury because he knows that his time is short. Satan knows how this story ends and he doesn't like it. But that doesn't mean he's not going to pull every trick to try and pull us and everybody else he can with him into that lake of fire. See, Satan doesn't care who you follow as long as it's not Jesus. You can follow evil religion. You can be a Satan worshipper if you want. Satan's okay with that. You can follow false religion, something that is not the word of God. You can follow twisted religion where they've taken the word of God and they've taken it out of context and switched it around. And one of Satan's favorite tricks is to take scripture and give it a slightly different meaning that it was never intended for in the Bible. Unfortunately, a lot of churches out in the world today are doing that. Satan doesn't even care if you choose no religion, which is actually the religion of worshipping yourself. If you say, I don't want God. I'll make my own God. I can reshape God. Or I am God. Satan's good with that. But be very aware that these are illusions of false faith. Don't be led astray. Study the Word of God. The Word of God is where we find the truth. So we need to study it. We need to bury it deep in our hearts so that we know it when Satan attacks. I want to introduce you to my Bible. I use you version on my phone. I have my phone sitting here. Here's my Bible. If you have technology, if you have a cell phone, it's a great app. All you do is you open up your phone and you go into it and you've got the whole entire Bible on there. You can search through it, you can find the scriptures, you can find whatever you need. You can even change the font size, because with some of my Bibles I can't read them because the print is so tiny. This one I can make it bigger. It's free. If you have a problem that you can't read, you can even listen to it. You just hit the little play button on, Whatever passage you're on, and it will read it to you in some fine Englishman's voice. I think, amazing! What a world we live in. If you need a Bible, if you don't use technology, you need a natural Bible, because your Bible is either as big as this one, <laughs> or the language is something that you don't understand. Talk to me. We will get you a real Bible. I will get you a real Bible. People in the church, somebody will get you a real Bible. Uh I and in mean real, I mean paper. The yeah, other's real too. You know, if you're listening online and you need a Bible, talk to us, email us, we will get you a Bible. We have this opportunity that Jesus has given to us to recognize that we can do what He did. We can fight Satan. As the author of Hebrews tells us, we don't have a high priest unable to sympathize with our weaknesses jesus was fully human he was tempted in every way as we are excuse me in every way just as we are yet he did not sin we have the ability to be holy and righteous and this other reassurance that paul writes in first corinthians 10 no temptation is ...overtaken you, has come upon you... ...except what is common to mankind... ...you know what, you might think that your sin... ...the temptation you're facing... ...is extraordinarily weird... ...somebody else has gone through it before... ...but God is faithful... ...when those temptations come upon you... ...he will not let you be tempted... ...beyond what you can bear... ...but when you are tempted... ...he will also provide a way out... ...so you can endure it... ...we might think it's more than we can bear... But if we're filled with the Holy Spirit and we're following the Holy Spirit and we're relying on the Holy Spirit, He will help us through it. He will provide a way out. Life has its ups and downs, doesn't it? And the Christian life is not easy. It is like a roller coaster at times. But with the power of the Holy Spirit in each one of us, we can say like Paul at the end of his life, That I have fought the good fight. I have kept the faith. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your faithfulness to us. We thank you for your spirit who can fill us and guide us. Help us not to be afraid of the wilderness. Help us to see it as a place of preparation. May we seek to be filled with your word. That we can fight the good fight. That we can keep the faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Our final hymn together today is Faith is the Victory. Very appropriate song for today. Number 727 in your hymnal. Please stand.